Welcome to the VMOX Road to Mobile Victory podcast. Enterprise mobility is bigger and more complicated than ever. In this series, we'll talk about the latest trends, inspiring success stories, and simple and effective tips for managing your corporate mobile assets, expenses, and services. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Andrea Leiby, Director of Marketing at VMOX. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how software development has changed over the last decade and why adaptation for all IT roles is so critical due to the pace of change in telecom and technology. Joining me today is Matthew Black, VMOX Director of Software Development and the newest member of our leadership team. Welcome, Matthew. Hi. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I'd like to do a fun question so our listeners can get to know you. Uh, The question I'm going to ask you today is, when did you get your first cell phone and what kind was it? Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) This this is going back a ways and and I'm going to have to admit to something that I don't actually remember what uh, what the first one was. Um, (laughs) It was back in it was back in 97. Um, My wife was pregnant with our with our first child. And I think I got it at Walmart. It was a very simple prepaid cell phone. (laughs) Um, that you just add some minutes to every month. Um, So I did that for a while. I never used it. Um, I didn't want anybody to call me when I wasn't at home. Um, (laughs) But the the first real cell phone I had was actually a a Palm Trio 650. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. I I never got onto the BlackBerry thing. Um, But I liked the Palm Trio. Um, I had had a Palm 5, just the PDA for years. And I was carrying that and carrying the the prepaid cell phone at the same time. So I was carrying two devices. And when I saw the Palm Trail, I thought, my prayers are answered. (laughs) So you were already having multiple devices, even before, you know, today where we have lots of devices. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I I remember I had a BlackBerry, aka the Crackberry, as many fondly know it as. Um, I definitely thought it was the definition of professional coolness. And I remember the mini trackball. And I just loved it. And I couldn't get enough of it. And I thought it was evolutionary. So for me, it was awesome. Uh, so I can relate. Yeah. So um, if we look at our kind of topic today, um, you know, it's all started for me from an opinion piece I saw an entrepreneur. And it's this idea that it challenges really the notion that the pace of technological change is faster than ever. And it says that really technology is not changing so quickly, rather the way we're using technology to transform our jobs and our relationship to work. Do you agree with this? And do you think this might be true for some industry sectors, but maybe not for others? I, I do agree with this. Um, we, are still re- we are still adapting to some major, um, uh, very impactful changes that happened uh, 25, 30 years ago. Mm. Look at the impact of the internet on us. We still have new devices, new technologies coming out. Um, Internet of things is is still evolving. Um, If we look at our our cell phones, um, they're still very much the same as they were 20 years ago, but they're constantly evolving and we can do more with them. Internet's getting faster. Our displays are getting uh, crisper and sharper and bigger. Um, our uh, processing power is is evolving. Battery life is evolving. Um, it takes a lot of other technologies to be able to fully utilize one of those. 
Um, and we need to we need to evolve all of that as we go to get to the point where we can take advantage um, of all of those together. Um, so one of the things I point to is, as uh, impacts us daily, we even see it on the news, are um, cameras, um, cameras for doorbells, motion sensor cameras outside of our homes. You're able to constantly monitor things. And we're, we're seeing that a lot, um, a lot more these days as more and more people get them, they become more, uh, more prevalent. But that's, there's no new technology in that. Mm-hmm. It's the ubiquity of internet access Wi-Fi at home, greater bandwidth, um, and just the cost of making the devices. It's so much cheaper now to have a camera with with Wi-Fi access um, than it was 20 years ago. So we're still catching up with all of these um, all these advancements that have been made even 25, 30 years ago or more. Yeah, that's so true. So when you look at kind of, you know, workplaces in general have seen an overhaul, obviously post-pandemic a lot, you know, employees are more connected than ever. You know, we have, I would say, much greater logistical needs and they they have to be addressed nowadays. And for those that are managing a telecom or mobile environment, there seems to be this endless parade of new networks and services and applications to keep track of, you know, from your perspective, how do teams keep pace with customers? And, you know, overall digital transformation needs at an organization and how do they prevent themselves from becoming obsolete? That's a great question. And and that's something that's been a real focus for me um, over the past few years. So a lot of technology companies today are struggling with keeping pace in the industry or with the business. Um, and, And that's a term that we're hearing uh, in the technology industry much more these days. Um, we used to talk about business at the pace of technology, mm. but that's really reversed now. It's really technology at the pace of business. That's yeah. the new goal and that's the new struggle. Um, when when technology is new, the one of the difficult things about it is trying to figure out how to use it. Um, there's, you know, when any technology is created, there's, there's an obvious use case for it that's focused on, but then it branches out and gets pulled into other areas and we find new uses for it. Um, Once it becomes mature, that ideation phase grows dramatically. And then then you have a switch where it becomes more difficult for for technology and in particular um, software developers to keep pace with the new ideas that are coming forward. And, and we've seen a, just a tremendous rush in, in hiring in the uh, technology sector and, and software development in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, product development teams, you've got to be able to, to move faster and quicker. Um, if you're stuck in your old traditions of spending a lot of time up front to plan out a new feature and then taking more time to implement it um, and debug it and get ready for a release, um, you're going to fall behind very quickly. Yeah. Back in back in the day, 30, 40 years ago, it was not uh, uncommon. It was pretty pretty normal for companies to have one release every nine months or once a year. Um, we just can't we just can't do that anymore. The ideas and the the strategies for moving business forward are evolving so much faster 
um, that you really have to uh, take a step forward, tackle an idea as soon as you have an idea. You don't have time to stop and plan. You've got to take a stab at it, get something out there that we can look at um, and that people can then evolve their opinions on and evolve the way we do business. So it's very much a, a trial and error, uh, a, a cyclical iterative process um, for keeping up with technology. If you try to plan everything out in advance and, and take your time and move forward at a, at a steady, thoughtful pace, good chance that you're going to get left behind. Yeah. So that's very true. So this idea of, you know, those modern developers that are working in enterprise software or, you know, have a relationship to this app and all this development needs, delivery speed is crucial, right? And it drives customer delight and goal success and this ability to outperform the competition. However, you obviously have to not allow speed to compromise your quality. So, you know, how do stakeholders and these development teams and everyone involved, how do they kind of strike that right balance, you think? Well, this, uh, another question, this one's very dear to my heart. Um, And again, it's changes in the old ways of software development. People talk about waterfall versus agile. Mm -hmm. Um, The the idea that that you can plan everything up front and work through uh, stage gates and, and steps in the waterfall and get to a workable solution, those, those can work. Um, you can still get things done that way, but not as efficiently, not as, as effectively. Um, so one perspective I've got was back when I worked in uh, the computer engineering industry and virtual prototyping, um, applications were installed on a single computer for a single person to use. Um, and in those days, it was widely thought that the worst bug that that could happen um, was when the application crashed. Mm. Um, that was obvious. Yeah. But what I learned through engineering was that that's that's not the worst thing that can happen. The worst thing that can happen is when you give a wrong answer <laughs> and True. the user doesn't know it. If the software crashes, you know there's a problem. Um, yeah. The worst thing that happens is getting an answer that you believe it to be correct and then you use that and you make business decisions or products based on that. Mm-hmm. That can turn into a real disaster. Um, and at that time, we had people, we had dedicated people who were experts in engineering to validate our results. Um, so these were longtime engineers who were who, who could go through the math and do the math by hand to ensure that we were doing things right. Um, it was time consuming, but it was critical. Um, so what we learned from that was that having quality as an afterthought at the end of the process just made it so much more difficult mm-hmm. to resolve the issue. Um, you might see that the answer was wrong, but figuring out why it was wrong uh, was almost impossible if you did that at the end. Um, and it's because we had such a difficult, complex problem space. Yeah. Um, so every small step uh, had to be validated as you went along. Um, and in many cases, that was the the only way to be sure that your final final answer was correct. Um, here at VBox, we're in a highly competitive industry. Yeah. It's evolving extremely quickly. Um, we couldn't survive with that type of process of uh, working on a problem, getting to the end, and then try to validate that everything is correct at the very end. Um, it, it can't be quality can't be something that you wait to the end to do and come back and, and check. 
um, can't be pushed off to someone else. The people doing the work have to be versed in quality. You have to be able to verify what you're doing every step of the way. And you have to keep that in mind. It's not someone else's job. Um, so for myself, um, I'm actively tearing down um, the walls that separate uh, these steps in our process. Um, teams have to work collaboratively, collaboratively um, and, and we have to keep reinforcing that quality is everyone's mission. Yeah. Um, we've got quality experts and their role isn't to ensure that someone else did the right thing. Their role is to help them verify that what they've done is right and meets our quality standards. Um, so our, our quality uh, analysts are really experts um, and coaches in helping everyone understand the best ways to go about verifying our quality as we go through. Um, it, it just simply can't be an, an after step. Um, so the, the, the beauty in this is that even though it sounds like it's going to slow us down, it actually speeds things up because we find problems sooner. Mm -hmm. There's less back and forth. There's less tossing it over the wall. There's less of, um, you know, I've, I've done all the work and well, now someone else found the problem and I'm going to go back and start again from scratch to try and find out what went wrong. Um, we, we tackle the quality as we go through. And that's, that's just extremely critical, not only from the quality perspective, but also from the pace of change and for being able to keep up with our competition and, and our, our business needs. Yeah, it's very true. So, uh, you know, another common challenge, regardless of your role in IT, whether you're managing telecom or you're in charge of security, um, is this lack of stakeholder engagement, right? You're wrangling different yeah. decision makers. Mm -hmm. You got resource and budget limitations. You got these other competing priorities and you got this silo data everywhere. Um, you know, you and your current role work with both product and operations. So do you have any advice for keeping everyone in sync and bringing projects to a successful conclusion? Absolutely. Um, engagement and communication, not process. Um, kind of the opposite of, of process. Um, <laughs> open the door to, to more communication. So similar to what I was just saying with, with QA, and getting people involved um, and working, paying attention to quality as we're going through the process. The same thing uh, applies to meeting customer expectations, um, working with product and with operations. We need more engagement, tighter engagement, keep everyone involved in every step of the process. Um, frequent touch points, frequent reviews, um, taking smaller bites out of the bigger problems. Mm -hmm. So we'll take a small bite. We'll make sure we got that, that piece right from a quality perspective. We'll talk to our product teammates and our operations teammates, make sure that we're hitting the mark for them on that one small piece, and then move forward, constantly keeping everyone involved. Um, you know, that, that having that open communication of, of having and having our stakeholders available to us um, really opens the door. We have frequent communication between development and the stakeholders. Um, so we, uh, as, as any question comes up, we can get an immediate answer. Um, getting away from the, from the older ways, the older waterfall ways of, of scheduling thing out, things out months in advance um, and expecting to hit far off milestones. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it it really slows slows things down. It makes you less responsive. Um, being able to get more immediate feedback from the stakeholders with keeping them engaged, getting their feedback quicker allows us to make changes and adjustments uh, much, much quicker and really keeps us from wasting too much time in case we are going down the wrong path. So it's really about constantly correcting course, constantly getting feedback, um, constantly keeping everyone engaged and making sure you've got, you know, real collaboration rather than uh, going through the steps and tossing things over the wall. Yeah, that makes sense. So you obviously need people to do all this work, but, you know, a huge issue right now that everyone's facing in technology and IT industry is attracting and retaining and engaging this talent. Uh, Why do you think culture is so important? You know, a lot of people talk about the role that it plays today in um, hiring and maybe even attrition. Yeah, uh, that's these days. That is probably the the biggest factor is culture. Um, there are lots of opportunities, um, especially in on the software development side. There are thousands and thousands of of open positions uh, around the country, around the world, and now with so many people working remote and the technology advantages that we've got. Um, if someone's not happy with their job, right now it's pretty easy to find something else. Yeah. Um, and you know, pay scales are are on the rise. Um, lots of companies are focusing on additional benefits, other things to try to get at a competitive advantage. But what I'm really saying is, people really want to be happy with their work. Mm-hmm. Um, we spend so much of our time, and this is this is nothing new. This has been this way for for ages. It's just that now we have opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, you spend forty hours a week or more at your job. In a lot of cases, you spend more time with the people at work than you do with your own family. Um, with all of these things being equal, and there being so much opportunity. Um, why would anyone take a job at a company that doesn't have the type of culture they want or isn't a friendly place to to work in? Um, I can I can use myself as an example here. Um, I've worked for a number of different companies of different sizes and in varying industries. Um, I've been in large corporations where the culture was basically a, a list of bullet points that were <laughs> dictated by a, a marketing uh, group and printed on a poster and, and, and hung up on the wall. I've also been in other companies, um, usually smaller, but in other companies um, where they never really talked about culture, but it just kind of evolved from how um, the employees interacted with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you, you get into an industry where, where people are engaged and want to solve the problem. People want to be helpful want to do the right thing. That's that's kind of an infectious uh, situation. Um, it makes people want to, to, to do the job. They want to do their work. Um, they want to evolve themselves and they want to help out their friends. Um, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest hurdles I've had over the years with um, it, when it comes to conflict resolution, and I, I often say it's easy to be upset with someone that you've never met or someone that you don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you have that relationship with someone, when you've met that person, 
and you realize that that they're struggling, it's much more natural and much easier for people to to quickly say, "Oh man, he's having a he's having a rough time. I think I can help him. Let me let me see how I can help," as opposed to pushing back or being resistant to helping someone. That is crucial these days. As more and more people are introduced to this and, and are in those environments, they don't want to go back to an environment that's stressful or where you're frustrated uh, with, with the people or the environment or the culture you, you have to work in. Um, micromanagement is a, is a difficult and frustrating thing to deal with. And as, we, uh, as, as the industry matures and we get better at, um, at managing this, um, people are seeing that I, I don't have to work in an environment where I dread going to work every day or where, you know, I'm, I, uh, I'm working with people who don't respect me or it's not a healthy environment. Mm -hmm. There are opportunities. And now with, with the, uh, so many opportunities to find, to find other positions, people are deciding that, you know, I, I don't need to work in a place where I'm not happy. Yeah. Maybe I can find a job that pays more, but I can find a good paying job working with great people that I really want to work with. You, you can't beat that. Yeah. Very yeah. true. Very true. Well, Matthew, it was awesome having you on the show today. Um, really appreciate it. Oh, thanks. It's great being here. Yeah. So technology and telecom, I think just there's a new set of opportunities and challenges every day, whether it's HR, whether it's, you know, managing everything that comes with your mobility program or, you know, how you're working through some of your software development challenges. I think that software development in itself is such a big part of client experience. You know, it really makes the work environment effective and efficient. And the most, I would say the most successful companies that we see are those that are reducing that, you know, digital gap or, you know, general gap between consumer user behavior and business progress. So I certainly look forward to seeing what innovation comes from teams like yours in 2022. I think it'll be exciting. Um, and, you know, thank you again for joining me. Have a great day. Thank you. You too. From all of us here at VMOX, thank you for listening. Remember, mobile victory can be yours. Just trust in the experts. We'll see you next time on the road to mobile victory. To learn more, visit us at vmox.com or follow us on LinkedIn.